It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello there. Tonight's episode partner for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete number 181 is No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow. Don't we ever seem to learn what to say or to leave silence? No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow, an evening of great folk music with Carol Ann Solabello, Karen Oliver, and the Yayas. Return to playing live on Friday, August the 22nd at 6.30 p.m. at the New Jersey Botanical Garden Skylands Association. They're playing at the New Jersey Botanical Gardens. That's pretty awesome. You should go see them. It's at 6.30 p.m. You can go to www.njbg.org for details or facebook.com backslash no fuss and feathers roadshow. Okay, now for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, number 181. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Johnny and the mothers are playing something at the Savoy in Vermont tonight. Vermont's gonna kill my brother at the Savoy Theater tonight. I didn't say that. No, but I know this grapevine. Why would I put it there? Kindness? 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 You stole it! He stole it! We have top men working on it right now. Who? Top men. Hello there. And welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast, episode number 181. Hi. Welcome to the show. Coming to you live from Comac, New York, and Bayside, New York, and maybe potentially later on from the Magic Kingdom in Florida. It's the Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete Sports Podcast Program. Nice. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. It is June the 26th, 2014. It is 10 p.m. It is time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete as Cal comes in and sits down and does not realize how loud his microphone is. Doesn't have any idea how hot that mic is. He got up and the entire country heard it. So it's good. He hasn't even been introduced yet, officially. 
And uh, welcome to the program. I am Sam Pete. We have a ton of sports, New York and otherwise, to talk about tonight. Um, we're probably going to be able to get right to it because uh, Bishop Big Donut is on assignment in the Magic Kingdom, as I mentioned. He may be calling in. He said he walked over 16,000 steps today. He has a pedometer on. He's down there with his family. I don't want you to think he's down there by himself, just wandering around the Magic Kingdom by himself. He is, he is with children, so it's not at all creepy. And um, he said he's walked 16,000 steps today. The humidity and the heat is only about a 2,000%. Uh, so maybe he lost a couple LBSs. He said he might call in. Anyway, welcome to the program. We have a lot to talk about. Let's bring in the cover. Here he is. Direct from a assignment, a mission in Sarajevo. His mission? Spell Sarajevo. He didn't actually go there. He just had to spell it in front of a group of adults. <laughs> he was called up to it in front of a room to spell Sarajevo. He left out the J. Mr. Brian Calneva Capino Cayente. Hi, Brian. Hi, Steve. Isn't it, doesn't that sound dangerous when that comes on? It, I, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I feel like I should be running frantically down a street <laughs> in a disheveled suit. Exactly. Either from or to danger. Yes. That Either music, one. right. You're, if, if this were a TV show and that were your intro music... That would be the clip. Right. And with your co-host would be the, you know, the, the writing on the screen, the, the, the title, if you will. And it would be, you know, co-host Cal. And right. it would just be you frantically, maybe in a tuxedo, but like frumpled. Something, yeah, something really, like I'm wet for some reason. <laughs> right, with the loose, the bow tie is undone yeah. around your neck. And you're just All running down... It's got to be a foreign street, too. Like it has to be like a London, like there have to be cabs around and stuff. Yeah, I was thinking like Italy. How about Sarajevo? Maybe Sarajevo. <laughs> I'm going to start the New York Sports Talk podcast off uh, with a geography question. Go ahead. Where is Sarajevo? Uh, Sarajevo is in Yugoslavia. <laughs> is that the new Yugoslavia or is that the old Christine? Uh... Uh, is that now, the, is I, that the new adventures of the old U- <laughs> Yugoslavia? I would I would think it's the old Yugoslavia. Sure. Is there the is 19th, there another kind? Uh, there's a new one. There's something new. Sure. That's, okay. Uh, the the '84 Olympics were held in in Sarajevo. That's well. That's where we'll always know it from. That's all I'll ever know. I would I wouldn't know of it otherwise. I don't think. There's a Billy Joel song called, called Leningrad. That's not where there is. That's not where I was going to go. That's not it. This is not a fill-in. No. This is not a, not a multiple choice. I'm sorry. Go on. Uh, called Goodnight Sarajevo. Goodnight Saigon, I believe, is what you mean. That's correct. Goodnight Saigon. There's also a, a song called Sarajevo. Billy Joel... <laughs> As a song that involves Sarajevo in some way, shape, or form. I, I know that, that that's true. I, I have heard, I know the song. 
I cannot spell Sariat. Wow. S-A-R-A-J-E-V-O. Wow. You didn't know hesitation. No. Sarajevo. Do you want me to use it in a sentence? So, Christmas, the, the Christmas song by the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, the, our famous one that we love, is called Christmas Eve backslash Sarajevo. Dot <laughs> org? Yes. Can you hum me a little bit of that song? No. Come on. I don't know that one. You know the you know that Christmas song. I don't know the difference between the Trans-Siberian Orchestra and Mannheim Steamroller. Nobody does. I couldn't they could be the same band. The guys within those bands have no idea. I I have no idea how to how to distinguish between the two of them. <laughs> the the first flute player for Mannheim Steamroller is like, "Wait, are you sh- are you Come sure on. I'm I'm not I'm a, a, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra? What's strange is they, they, they practice in rooms right next to each other. Like the studios are completely next to each other, so they're always walking in and out of the wrong place. That's why which, they sound so similar. was a really poor planning, you know, really poor idea on their part to, <laughs> to rehearse in the same space. Basically down the hall from each other, guys are just, the Moog player is going in and out of each band. They're interchangeable. I think the Mannheim Steamroller is much more theatric. Right? <laughs> and Trans-Siberian Orchestra? Is there such a thing? Hmm. I feel like there... By the way, Billy Joel has no song. Named Sarajevo? Has nothing to do with Sarajevo. Vienna. Is that the one you're thinking of? Uh, no, th- darn it. Did he do an album in Sarajevo? Is Maybe. that possible? Maybe. I don't know why I have the association with Sarajevo and Billy Joel. I don't know where that comes from. Well, he's obviously been there. Well, I, obviously. I don't think we can, we can say that. He hasn't been. Isn't he uh, Yugoslavian? Billy Joel? Yes. Mm, I don't think so. Sarajevo is the capital and largest city of Bosnia and Herzegovina. Okay. All right. So that's where, it, so that's that's where it, it is now. Yes. The old Yugoslavia. That's right. I wish there's the University of Sarajevo, which I really wish I went to. Probably a good ski team. I'm guessing. I, or ironically, really bad. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> Either way. Right. I, uh, I'm, I'm sure that Billy Joel has been there many times and uh, loves it and enjoys it very much. But not enough to write a song about it. Not, apparently not enough to write a song about it. Is how it appears. Enough to make me think he did. Right. But we are meant to believe. I, you know, this conversation notwithstanding, Sure. I'm going to continue to believe that he wrote a song about Sarajevo. I really would. I kind of hope that 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 Google search yielded much more. Typed in Billy Joel and Sarajevo so confidently. <laughs> Let's see what this is. Like eight, eighteen rolls, you know, eighteen entries down. It just it's it's really disconnected too. Right. It's like a story about Sarajevo, 
And then later on in the article, they mention it's a story about a Saint Bernard that saved somebody on a on a ski mountain whose name was Billy Joel. Wouldn't it be great to name your dog Billy Joel? <laughs> Come here, Billy Joel. <laughs> Nobody does that. Why don't people name their dogs after celebrities? <laughs> How great would that be? We're athletes. Come here, Larry Bird. Come here. Come here, Keith Hernandez. Keith Hernandez. Get your nose out of that kibble. It has to be the whole name. It has to be the whole name. Right. <laughs> Come here, Cameron Diaz. Bad girl. <laughs> Bad girl, Cameron Diaz. <laughs> Why does I want? I'm I'm naming my next dog Billy Joel. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, got to be all, a, <laughs> yeah, a beagle, yeah, right, or a basset hound, or a basset hound, right, with the eyes, the sad eyes. <laughs> That's right. I um. For some reason, only Billy Joel works in your scenario. <laughs> oh come on. Well, it works the best of, of the examples yeah. you gave. Although I would, the dog named Larry Bird would be pretty good. The dog or the bird? No, if you, <laughs> you named a bird Larry Bird. I think that would work, like a parakeet. Like a green parakeet. Uh, did you change Larry Bird's cage? Larry Bird, come here, Larry Bird. <laughs> did you change the paper in Larry Bird's cage? Uh, I think that could work. I do. There's got to be another really good one for a dog. Like Milton Berle. <laughs> this is our Dalmatian. Milton yeah, right. Berle. <laughs> I think it should be like obscure, maybe obscure guys too would work. Like, like, uh, I don't know, Richard Klein or something like that. Like. <laughs> This is our uh, this, is, this is our dog Gary Berghoff. <laughs> Gary Berghoff. Why didn't you name him Radar? No, no. Because that's dumb. <laughs> He's naming a dog Radar. Come here, Gary Berghoff. Come here. Good dog. <laughs> Gary Barkoff. <laughs> That'd be his name. This is our dog, Gary Barkoff. You get it? You <laughs> get it. Good one. Nailed and it. And anybody under the age of 40 would look at you like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. Gary Barkoff. And even if I did have an idea what you're talking about, it's stupid. Right. Charles Barkley. Mm, there's a million of them. I did always want to name a dog um, Slider because Keith Hernandez had a dog named Slider. Oh. In his book, If at First, which was, as we discussed on this show... This is like the Oprah Book Club. <laughs> this is the RTU Book Club. There would yeah. be, this would be an early entry. I do only want, a couple. I do want to speak about another book, though. I actually... And give a shout-out to should, our... We to should our, have like an RTU Book Club, then. A myriad of listeners. It's the summer, and it's You're a good right. time for reading. Let's, we should recommend books if we come across them. Let's do that in the, uh, the hot topic, off topic, off putting, sports related, non topical sports time. Take on me. Fun house. Wait, <laughs> take on me is a book? No. 
No, no, that's the hot, like you were the hot topic. Oh, I take. I thought you were me. suggesting that Aha, Aha's take on me was based on a novel, a graphic, no. a graphic novel. If you're watching the video, actually, someone uh, turned it into a novel. They based the novel on the song. Oh. Wrote, a, wrote a whole book about it. It's really dark. Like, they might be from Sarajevo. No, they're aha. Uh-huh. They are Icelandic. No, I would say New Zealand if I had to guess. Nope, nope, negatory, good buddy. But you're not even looking that up, and you're saying no. I because I know it's I know it's true. It's very dismissive. Where are I they from? Know it to be. I know it to be true. They're not from Iceland. That's Bjork. They are Norwegian. Oh, okay. I was closer oh, than you were. You were much closer. That's I see where you were going. Right. Okay. Aha. <laughs> no, that's you're grounded. We don't do that. No. Have I gone, have I gone wrong, far? wrong show, buddy. Wrong show. You take that. You take that shtick elsewhere, my friend. <laughs> you take your your little puns and your little plays on words. Uh-huh. All right. Let's, let's get. Aha. Uh-huh. Let's get to the uh, the big unload. What do you think Sports. of that? Let's do it. What? Do we have to talk with British dialects? I don't know. A sport? That's British? That sport? Or not British. I meant Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Boy, this coffee has not hit my mouth yet. Like, it's not sort of firing the synapses. Oh, yeah! Speaking of sports, did you see who's going to be at City Field in two weeks? I can't. In the rich history of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, 180 shows, some five years. We're just that, shy. That is the single greatest segue ever. You don't even know where I was going. Of course I do. I absolutely do. Everybody does. Huey Lewis in the news. Yeah. At City Field. Speaking of sports, guess who's playing at City Field in two weeks? Congratulations. You should be doing the double fist in the air over the head. <laughs> like the Popeye, where you have the clasp the class hands and you're like, putting them. Like I'm being carried off. That's right. On people's shoulders. Yeah, that's right. That is the single greatest. Uh, you followed up the worst, one of the worst puns. In the history of the show, with the greatest segue of all time. I'm very polarizing that way. You, uh, you are. Uh, are you going to see Huey Lewis and the News? I might be. Actually. Is that how they say it in France? In the News? In they the News? The News. <laughs> Is that what you said? Yeah. See how I made that French? Huey Lewis and the News? And the News. I don't think that's... I think there's probably a French word for news. I think you're wrong. No? <laughs> I think you're, you're grabbing at straws there, buddy. Okay. Or grasping. Either one. Is, it, is there a Norwegian word for news? Yes, it's Sarajevo. Of course it is. That's actually the Norwegian <laughs> word for <laughs> Huey Lewis and the Sarajevo. That's what it would be. We, my friend. Um... Well, but but do you see? But here's because we're talking about Sarajevo and Norway, Norway, French. 
it's perfect for the World Cup season that's upon us, I think, because we're touching all areas of the universe. Is that what we're calling it, World Cup season? Why, what else would you call it? I have some words. Ooh. Do you, t- do you detect a hint of annoyance? This is taking a turn that I, I hadn't expected. Did you think it was all going to be happy-go-lucky World Cup talk? Thought it might be all extra injury time and yellow cards and vuvuzelas, all kinds of stuff, all fun stuff associated with the World Club. World Cup. <laughs> World Club. <laughs> That's in August. That's <laughs> the vuvuzelas too was the last one. They don't have those anymore, do they? They don't, I, don't, I haven't heard them in this one. No. Yeah. Um. I, I watched the game today. Did you watch the game today? I watched, I, I would say I watched probably the last 25 minutes. So there was the letter from Klinsman, the open letter to everybody's boss, which, you was, know, which was clever and I thought it was great and stuff. Strangely, that did not have the clout that I thought it would. Yeah. <laughs> I handed that in to my boss and he was like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. Because what? What? Who's this? Klins, Kleinsman? My boss uh, read it, crumpled it up, and threw it back at my head. It bounced off my head like the, the ball. Right. He went. He went totally cliche cartoon character. Crumpled it up. Right. And then and then get me coffee. Right. Now my boss actually let us watch the game. It was uh, we we actually put it on in in our conference room on the big screen, on the big TV, and we were streaming it because um, he went out with some clients to watch it too. Um, a couple of things on the World Cup here, Bri. Uh, the the soccer aside, because I think this is becoming more and more. First of all, it's awesome that they qualified for the round of sixteen for the elimination round for the second time in a row. The United States, correct? Yeah, I don't talk about. The, I don't. I, I mean, <laughs> am I supposed to be upset because Italy got knocked out? Um, you're Italian. I am Italian-American. Okay. Like, when the Olympics comes around, I don't root for Italian skiers. This is the Olympics to me. Why is it so hard for the soccer fan, the rabid soccer fan in this country, to just just be okay with it being the Olympics and, and okay with people being into it every four years? You know, when when something is somebody's, they don't like the infringement. I understand no, that. But they, no, but but I'm also getting yelled at for not doing it right. You're not you're not doing the World Cup right. Is that what's happening? There are all sorts of weird things going on with this, Bri. I'd love to hear it because I haven't really experienced too much of it. I still haven't had this question answered two weeks into this World Cup, and that is, why is it so important for soccer fans that everyone is a fan of soccer? Why is it so important? What does that mean? Why do I see all over Twitter admonishing tweets about not recognizing that it did a good television rating or people don't care about soccer, huh? It did this, this, and this. People don't care about this, huh? You don't care about... Or if you dare post, I didn't watch the game or I don't really have interest in today's game. Oh, I mean, heaven forbid. 
Yeah, but I also feel like those same people have a problem with you if you do watch the game and you don't normally watch soccer. Catch twenty two. Yeah, so what do you what what's the layperson supposed to do? What's what's the patriotic sports fan who wants to get wrapped up in this? Like like me, I don't wa- I won't watch soccer again after the World Cup for another four years. Have but don't don't you don't years. you don't you dare say that everybody's doing that though. Don't you I, dare say that the majority are doing that. A lot of people are doing that. I think we know that. But right? people got ripped to shreds today. I mean, Mad Dog said that today. Chris Russo said that today on his Twitter feed and said, after Tuesday, if they lose, watch how fast the air goes out of the balloon for soccer in this country on well, Tuesday. To be, to be a little fair, he said, when they, if they lose, and I expect them to. Right. Like he was a little, he was yeah, a little that's, antagonistic but that, about but it. But that's, that's not what people were taking issue with. No, but I think that antagonized people, too. Whatever. He's mad dog. Of course he's going to do something that's remotely antagonistic. He wants people to listen to his show. Oh, yeah. No. I'm but his, his, po- his point was, and I think his point, no, I know you're not. <laughs> and I know he was a touch antagonistic, and he was, like, sort of poking the bear while he was yeah. doing it. But, he, but, but, that, but that wasn't the response. The response right. was, go look at the ratings, da 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 you know, it's it it did this number. It's done better than baseball and then NBA. Fine. Why is it so important for U.S. soccer fans that everyone is a fan of soccer? Why can't you just enjoy the event? I I don't go on Twitter during the NHL playoffs and admonish anybody who says they're not enjoying the NHL playoffs. Well, there was a th- I forget who was tweeting about it. In the last couple of days, I can't, I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Colin Cowherd who said you could get rid of five NHL teams and nobody would care, and that's proof that soccer is bigger than, than hockey. I, I, but who cares? But, the, but I, I mean, think, I don't – well, A, who cares? You're absolutely right. I think that's the biggest issue. Who cares what sport is bigger than another well, they and do. who's watching it? Soccer, soccer fans do. It's a constant – like the desperation to constantly justify – your love of the sport, but it's U.S. soccer fans. Yeah, is is at, well, international soccer fans do it for years, but they don't care about our other sports. Right. I'm talking. I am talking about U.S. soccer fans, because you can't have an argument with an international soccer fan. You can't. You're, you did. And you, no, I didn't have an argument. I had a discussion about what it would take for a professional league to do well here, and. I still think – I don't think I was right or wrong. I still think my points were valid. And there was a great article about exactly my points, and that is the MLS is a minor league. It's a minor league. It's minor league soccer as compared to Premier League or the other – what's the Italian league is the other big one or whatever. It's minor league soccer. It is never going to become a major sport here because Americans are not going to watch a minor league sport. They're not. Americans want to see the best of the sport. Watch the best. They may become Premier League fans. Way more. And I, and I think for soccer to take a foothold in this country, they need, uh, Americans need an interest in a Premier League team. Let me, let me ask you. You're watching the World Cup. You're watching, you're watching the American games. That's it. Right? You're not watching any other games. No. Neither am I. Are you enjoying it? Yeah. Okay. Why? Because it's, it's once, 
once every four years. No, no, no. My 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 point is: is it the sport? Is it the spectacle? Is it what's on the line? Is it the patriotic aspect? What is it about it that that like again? I'm not gonna watch. I, I I'm sorry if anybody is listening to this and they don't like to hear it. I'm not gonna watch it in two weeks. No, neither am I. You know, but I'm into this. Exactly, but that's not enough. But what? But but back to my I have question. to. I have to not only watch it. I have to admit somehow that it's a viable fourth or third spectator viewing TV sport in this country. Otherwise, I don't get it. I'm missing the boat. I'm stupid, and I'm doing it wrong. That yeah. if I if I if I can't see that it can that it's going to be more popular than hockey and basketball in the next five years. I'm doing it wrong. Well, in the last four years, did it get more popular than hockey and basketball? Oh, no, but Brian, it's bigger than it was even four years ago. Look at the viewership. Look at how many people... This, is, this one, this one I, I had to sort of laugh at. And not, I'm not laughing at people. I'm laughing at a, at a concept or an idea that it was brought to... It was brought to uh, as an argument that look how many Americans are attending the games in Brazil. Like there's, there's 35,000 American fans there, but they don't care about soccer. It's in Brazil. We are the richest country in the world. Have you been to Brazil? I haven't either, but I know two guys, <laughs> two guys who married Brazilian women and were there all the time. And it's like Mardi Gras all the time. It's not a great argument that the richest country in the world has sent a ton of people drunk and whatever else to Brazil in the summer. So if, if, if that's what they get, if it winds up staying in Qatar and you get 40,000 fans... Then talk to me. When you get forty or 50,000 American fans in Qatar in 122-degree heat in the Middle East... Well, no disrespect to Qatar. It's, it's not exactly a destination vacation spot. Right. That Brazil is. So anyway, that argument sort of went out the window. But it was... It's, it's not enough that... And I'm going to let you finish your point. But it's not enough, Bri. It's not enough for you to just watch these games. Because you're not allowed to say you're not going to watch it after this. It's really, it's weird. I, well, I guess you are around more hardcore soccer fans. Is that possible? I, I am. My whole office is. Yeah, I only, I have one hardcore soccer fan in my life. And he's not very judgy, I have to say. Right. I, my whole office is, they watch Premier League games all week. Yeah. Like at their desk, they sit there and have a Premier League game on while they're working or whatever. Um, but it's also on Twitter and social media and... So, go ahead. Your, 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 your question was, what am I into? What was I watching today? No, you were watching the, the soccer match. My no, but question, I'm saying, what, what drew me to it? What has, what, what has drawn you to the World Cup? Not just today, but all of the games. I love sports. When I was a kid, I love watching sports. When I was a kid, like when ESPN first happened and I was, whatever, seven or eight or nine, I would stay five. up and... Well, it was five when it first came out, but I'm talking about when we got it. <laughs> when we had cable. 
whatever, 1981, 82, I would stay up and watch like women's volleyball. Like it didn't, I love sports. As a seven-year-old? Yeah, or men's volleyball or bowling or whatever. No, I mean, I love sports. Okay. I love watching sports. As I've gotten older, you know, that has to get whittled down because I don't have the kind of time I was rolling in when I was eight. You know, so it's become the four main sports and actually three main sports. I don't even have time for basketball anymore. So, but that said, I love sports. I love watching sports. I love watching all sports. And soccer is not a game I'm unfamiliar with. It's not like it's curling. Like, I know what's going on. And in particular, the World Cup is epic. It's like the Olympics. Every moment has import. The game itself... Hey, I think Dr. Ray staff put it really, really well. It's the easiest sport to have on in the background. Because you, you literally just have to listen to when the announcer's voice raises. It's not like, like hockey where you're going to miss like a one-timer from the point on a breakaway and it happens in four seconds. Like every play takes a month to develop. But the, the, the athleticism is... Uh, fantastic, the endurance that these guys have to display playing in that heat, playing there, and that humidity. And it's, it's, there's nationalism there. I like rooting for the United States. In the Olympics, in the World Cup. Yeah, it's, it's a team you don't, you don't feel badly about going on the bandwagon with. It's like a college. It's like what I felt rooting for Dayton in the NCAAs, Cal. Like you have, okay. Yeah. No problem jumping on the old bandwagon for that one. Right. So, what's drawing you to it? I think I think a lot of the same aspects of it. Um, the competition, I think, is what's drawn me to it. And the sport, I have to say, I'm not a big soccer fan, but I've, I'm watching. I watched. Half of this game, I watched the entire game against Portugal yeah. on Sunday. I'm understanding it more the more I watch it. Well, there's something to that, and that is our play for our country has improved dramatically from eight years ago. You know, from when, when we watched the World Cup in 2008, was it eight? No, 2006. Six. Our play as a country has improved dramatically. So we're seeing better gameplay. Right. We're seeing the game played at a higher level. Okay, so then that would, that would explain it. Yeah, because if you watch, somebody was, and this is not my theory, somebody was explaining this to me today. Like the reason you're enjoying it more, the reason it's doing better each World Cup in the United States from a viewership point of view is that the team is getting better, so the play is better. Okay. Like eight years ago, they would have got destroyed by Portugal. Destroyed. You know, now at, you know, say seven or eight of the positions on the field, they're comparable. They have a comparable player. Right. Including goaltender. So, you know, and he was a guy I got on, you know, before I really knew more about him. Just because he seems like he's been there for 20 years. Uh-huh. But he's, apparently he's an elite goaltender. You know, he's one of the top five, seven goaltenders in the entire tournament. 
he made a tremendous save today. Um, on even the goal was really kind of not his fault. He made a tremendous save on the initial header. But the the gameplay has been great. But why can't that just be enough? Well, what I don't know. I don't know why it's not. I told you people are. I mean, you shot that argument down when you talked about the NHL playoffs. But people are. Um, they're they're uh, protective of their sport. They really are. You know, it's like it's theirs. They're they're not protective. What's the word I'm thinking of? Proprietary. Proprietary. Proprietary is the right word. Is that the word? I don't think that's the way to use it. But but Brian, it's got to go a step further. It's always got to go a step further. So it's always got to be. I, I watched this World Cup game, and now I have to admit that I, my next step in this process is that I have to admit that it's going that that it's uh, doing well viewership here, and it's a viable. Sp- Why? Why do I have to make the next step? Because well, I enjoyed, you don't because I enjoyed this. You don't have to. I, I know I don't. I'm saying this is, but this is what you're seeing. Yeah, you're seeing, you're being called out, and you know. Oh, you you watched it then. You wouldn't watch this. No, I wouldn't. I'm sorry, I wouldn't. I'm gonna watch next Tuesday for sure. Absolutely. I'm gonna watch it. If they lose, I'm probably not gonna watch it again. No, I don't. I don't I'm feel all bad set about that. I'm all set. I don't feel bad about that. I, it's what do you what do you make of the fact that they tie on Sunday? And it feels like a loss. And they lose today, it feels like a win. Well, that was... Right, exactly. Very weird. Strange, right? I was, I was into that game on Sunday. And here's the great thing. We're watching it, and then um, my neighborhood erupts. Like, that's, that's a great thing. It was, like, it was like an event. There's nothing wrong with that. Why do we have to take it elsewhere? It was great. My whole neighborhood of Bayside was watching the game. Mm-hmm. And when they scored the first goal, the place went nuts. Nuts. The tying goal. They went nuts. You could hear it. I was outside with Wesley, and you heard the whole neighborhood scream. The bars on Bell Boulevard and everything. We ran inside to watch the goal. It was amazing. And the great thing was, like, Wesley wanted to play soccer. Good. Because of that. Right. We were watching the game. He wanted to go outside and play soccer. That's, now, what we, that's what we want. Yes. Now, here's, here's something that's telling. <laughs> Two things. One, he wanted to go outside and play soccer while the game was on. So he didn't want to watch it. it was, he was done watching the game. He was bored watching the game. He wanted to play it. Okay. He wanted to go play it. Which is always, sorry, been the knock. It's a more enjoyable game to play when you're a kid than it is to watch. Yes. And then the other thing is, <laughs> I didn't care. <laughs> like, I, I, I left the game with really no problem. Like, all right, you want to play? Let's go. Yeah, like, I didn't DVR it. I didn't, like, if that was, I, I mean, I've done that for regular season Met games. <laughs> and DVR'd it and changed the channel so it wouldn't be on the same channel when I came back in. And mm-hmm. in Jet Game, forget about it. Yeah. I mean, I've done that already with him for a Jet Game where... Daddy, let's go play football. Okay, buddy, no problem. Let's wait till the half. Okay. Then he'll sit there and watch the game with me to the half. I'll DVR it because he has no concept of time. He's three and a half. And then we'll come in, you know, midway through the third quarter or whatever, and I can pick up where I left off. Right. But but that aspect is great, and I was into it on. T- I mean, that was 
On Sunday? On Sunday. That was one of the bigger gut punch games you'll ever get. It, it was, although I didn't feel like I was punched. I guess that's the part of being so detached from it. Right. I didn't feel like I was punched in the gut because of the weirdness that they got the point and that put them in a good position. Well, and also, like if that was a jet loss that way, and we've had them. Yeah. And it was, I'm going to go magnitude-wise, let's say, after the Steelers game. Here, let, let me, I'm going to give you a better example. I'm going to give you a much better example. Sure. The Islanders are up 2-1 in a playoff series. Yeah. And they give up a goal 30 seconds left to lose the game. Right. In the series, and then they go, and now they're still in good shape because it's only two-two in the series. But they just gave they they just got punched in the gut. I am despondent, right? For, for days, right? Like you don't even until want to the hear. next game until the next game. Right. I don't want to hear from anybody. There's no texts. I don't want anything. So now my question: Your soccer. Uh, colleagues right yeah People, yeah were, were they despondent after that game no and here's the weird thing and and this is what's weird about soccer and again why it's very difficult for it to take a foothold in america foothold see what i did there the um no but <laughs> no no i don't Oh, because of, because of soccer? Soccer, right. Foot, okay. Foot, football, foothold, soccer, use your feet only, not your hands. I got a kick out of that. Yeah. In order... Uh-huh. That's all the time we have tonight on Ready to Load. <laughs> um, is that these guys are nationalistic for their homeland. Okay. Almost over the United States because the United States is not very good. What are some of their homelands, respectively? Italy, Ireland, Argentina, okay. Brazil, Mexico. And, and also, they've adopted other countries as their favorite teams because the United States has never been good. But wouldn't you get behind... An underdog like that? They're rooting for the United States. Don't get me wrong. But it didn't, it didn't gut punch them the way a jet loss does in a big spot to us. Okay. I got it. Because they, have another, they probably have another team in the tournament. They're probably actually like rooting for Ireland or rooting for like Brazil. Which I guess makes sense because if they're watching Premier League soccer year-round, they, right. no, they have much more of a vested interest in those players than they That's do right. in... Right, okay. That's because right. They're, they're not really watching MLS. No. Okay. None of them. Okay. I know, I know one guy, and I almost got him on the show tonight, our buddy RJ, who's an old, old friend of... Which would have been great to have RJ on, who's probably known PJ for 30 years, or 22 years, or whatever it is. I think they met freshman year of... Their freshman year of college, which is 1989. Okay. So is that 25 years? 25, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, they're, uh, you know, the closest friends in the world. PJ was RJ's best man at his wedding and all that stuff. 
we almost had RJ on RTU tonight for the first time ever without PJ. Without PJ. That's right. <laughs> because he is a world, he's gotten all, he's never a big sports guy to begin with. And he, about four years ago, actually longer than that, actually back to the last world, the 06 World Cup, sort of went all in on soccer. And now he's got a 10 or 11 year old boy who he got into the Red Bulls and they have season tickets and they go to like the events and he's got pictures of him and, you know, Theory, Theory, I'm not saying that right. What's the guy's name? Terry. Terry. He's got pictures of, with him and at the event. I mean, he's all in. And he's been live Facebook diarying yes. the games. Uh-huh. Just like in an update. So like he'll open up one update about a game and then he'll just keep commenting on it and doing a running diary. And they're brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. And so I was trying to get RJ on uh, uh, tonight just to talk about the World Cup and stuff. But he's the only one I know who watches MLS, Cal. Nobody watches it. It's because he's, he's the only. He goes. He's got season tickets, and he's realistic about it. And he's told me that from when he got the season tickets, I think three years ago, or whatever, to now, different place. Like people are into it, and it's selling out and doing really, really well. So maybe that's happening. It, but it's not going to happen on TV. It's not going to – I just don't think you're going to get a television contract that you need to get. You're probably right. I still think – I still think it could – if it had the proper stars, Cal, it could displace hockey. I do. I think it could. Do you think that the problem will always be that the stars are European in, in our country? I think, no, I think the problem is the Stars will never play here. They'll okay. always play in the Premier League. Okay. Because the money's there and that's the best league. It's, as it, it's, it's like asking, I, I was going to say that, you know, playing in Japan, like playing baseball in Japan or whatever. No, but it's big over there. But ba- well, baseball's huge over there. Yeah. Baseball's huge in Japan. But my, my point was more like, Coming here and playing here and getting the money that you make here. Right. Whereas, you know, like going, like, it would be like Miguel Cabrera going to Japan. Right. Well, it's like when, um, oh, gosh, I can't think of his name. Sadahara O? No, the other way around. Going there. Bobby Valentine. You're not good enough to play here. Right. Then you go over there. And you are a star in Japan. Right. That would be like the second-rate soccer player is not good enough to play in the Premier League, but they'll come and play in the MLS. Or he's... That's right. You're thinking of, you're thinking of Tom Selleck. Mr. Baseball. It, was, it wasn't Bernie Mac? It was not Bernie Mac. May he rest in peace. Please. Of course. Please. Of course. That is uh, an awful movie. It's a shame. Mr. Three Thousand. That's Bernie Mac, right? That's Bernie Mac. Yeah. Mr. Baseball's not very good either. It's not bad. Well, Selleck's got a very good swing. Yes. Did he play ball? He had to have. Right. Very solid swing. I'm not. He's not Costner, but it's a very solid swing. Okay. He's also not John C. Riley, so I think we're okay. That's got to be the worst in the last twenty years, right? Mr. Baseball. 
No, uh, John C. Riley in For Love of the Game. Oh God, yeah. I mean, of the major parts. Because yeah, you you've had your your bit parts where the guy is clearly just an actor trying to play the part of a baseball player. He's not as good as the kid in Rookie of the Year. The kid in Rookie of the Year is a more believable Major League Baseball player than John C. Riley. At his age, as that's, a 12-year-old? That's correct. In, is, G, is Gina Davis a more believable Major League Baseball player? Rosie O'Donnell was a more believable baseball player than John C. Riley. Gina Davis was certainly a better catcher. She was good. Certainly a far better catcher. Yeah. John C. Riley, that's one of the all-time head-scratching Casting. castings. I just... And, it's, and John C. Riley's a brilliant actor. Now he's not an athlete, though. But, even, but it, it affected his acting in that movie. Because well, he, he was probably focused on trying to play an athlete and he couldn't act. It's, he's, he's, he, took, he took his struggles out to the field room. He did. That's perfect. He took his struggles as an athlete into his acting. <laughs> it's like, there's like scenes on the mound where like, okay, John C., it's okay. You're not even playing ball right now. Like you're just having a conversation with Chappie. Awful. Awful. Like, what, you, did you lose the ability to act on your way out to the mound? Oof. John C. Oof. Built like a catcher. Built like a catcher. Right? That's why they hired him. There you go. Thomas Jane, who had never played baseball. He was actually very believable. Was fantastic as Mickey Mantle. He was re- sounded like him. Sounded just like him. You know, you know the great story behind that, right? No. So... It's like on the special edition of 61, but Tom, uh, Tom Jane tells the story, uh, and we're close, so I, I call him Tom, because um, I, I waited on him once in Los Angeles. Was Bob De Niro hanging out with you? Yeah, Bob, Bobby was, uh, was hanging out, and Marty was there. Um, um, I actually waited on him the day after 61 came out. The next morning, he came into the restaurant I was working in L.A. for brunch. Okay. The, the, night, the day after premiered or whatever on HBO. And I very seldom, if ever, did this with a celebrity. And I said to him, hey, look, I caught 60... He was like an unknown, so it felt okay. Because uh, like Barry Pepper was obviously the guy in that movie who was fantastic as well. Maris? Oh, my God. God. <laughs> it's, like, it's ridiculous. Yep. And I said to him, I said... Hey, I just got to say this. I caught 61 last night, and I used to be a ball player, and um, you did an unbelievable job. And he was great. He was super great. He was like, thanks, man. And I was like, did it look – he goes, did it look real? Did it look believable? And I was like, look, I'm a Mets fan, so <laughs> you – yeah, it looked believable to me. You know, uh, I said, no. I said, really, honestly, it looked, it looked fantastic. And he was very, very thankful. But the great story is that – in the audition, <laughs> when he auditioned, Billy Crystal was like, "You can, you can play ball, right?" He's like, "Oh yeah, oh, totally. Don't worry about it." And they loved him because he looked like Mantle, and he had the voice down, and he had like the mannerisms and everything. Yeah. 
And then he's like, I had like a week to learn how to play baseball. Like, <laughs> um, and he's like, I could throw and stuff. He's like, but I couldn't hit. And that actually wound up being his best. That actually wound up being his best attribute was that he had he had no bad habits to break. Oh. So the baseball advisor on the movie kind of like build him from scratch. That's almost. it. Like he had athletic ability. He's a good athlete. Right. But he wasn't a baseball player. He was like a surfer. You know, or something like that, or like lacrosse or something. Um, and the baseball guy on that movie was the famous Reggie, what's his name? Jackson? No. I think I would remember Reggie Jackson. Well, you said famous, so I just... But not that famous. Reggie Smith? Reggie Smith. Yes. Okay. Was Reggie Smith like ever the coach at USC? I don't know, but he played for the he played, played for, the for the Dodgers. Dodgers yeah. Um, I think it was Reggie Smith. And uh, great, great uh, sticker in the sticker book, by the way, Reggie Smith. Always remember the baseball card of Reggie Smith. I think it was the '81 tops with the with the cap on it. Yes. <laughs> yes. I remember that one very well. <laughs> um, L.A. Dodgers outfielder. And he said. Uh, I had no bad. He had no bad habits to break. It was when I was teaching him how to switch hit. He had no bad habits to break. And if he's an athlete, he could just all he was doing. That's it. He was mirror. He was mirroring mantle, like just, the film we had. Yeah, just do what you're told, and yep. if you're athletic, you could pick it up. And that's yeah, it's not bad. Yep. Tom James. I've watched that movie. I'm, I we all know how. Uh, yes. About the Yankees. I've watched that movie like seven times. I love that movie. The movie's fantastic. Really good. Yes. Anthony Me? Michael Hall. Top five baseball movie? No. Negative. You Let's don't think it cracks do it. the top Let's five? Let's just do it. Let's just do it. Let's just get it out of the way then. It did I open the door? You 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 didn't open the door. You kicked it open. You did. In we, my in my rumpled suit. I was just gonna say. That song's been playing for the last 53 minutes. I finally reached my destination. Kick the door down. You did it. And there's Reggie Smith tied to a chair. <laughs> being held hostage. That's what this has been all about. To rescue Reggie Smith. <laughs> we made it. Who, by the way, I don't think was the technical advisor on that movie. <laughs> I think it was. Oh, sorry, we're in the wrong place. I think it was USC baseball coach. I always feel like it was the USC baseball coach. The USC baseball coach was Rod Dedeau. Maybe it was him. Right? I think it was. He was D E D E A U X. Wow, you are not Ron Devereaux. Not Ron Devereaux. Who played for the Dodgers as well? Mike Devereaux. Mike Devereaux. Right, no, Ron Dedeau. Ron Dedeau was the 1984 U.S. baseball coach. That's right. That team had McGuire. Will Clark. Ben Sheets. No, not Ben no, Sheets. Ben Sheets, Sheets was 88. Um, who was the pitcher? Uh, Todd Van Poppel? 84? Maybe on 84? I don't know. Uh, we're going to Dr. Google. Give me a couple more, though. A couple more 84 U.S. Olympians? Olympians? Yeah. Um, McGuire's the one that really stands out. Um, and Will Clark. And Will Clark. Ventura? 
Is he on? No, I think he's on 88. Mm. I think he's on 88. I don't think so. Here you go. I have it. I have the lineup. Or I have the uh, the roster. Oh, man, we're missing some Jim Dandies. And I can't believe I didn't say this guy. He's one of my favorite all-time college baseball players. He was the reason I wanted to go to Arizona State. Played for the Rangers. He was an outfielder for a little while. Oh, he was the reason I wanted to go to Arizona State. Why can't I think of him? I know who you t- I can picture the guy. One of the greatest first names of all time. Outfielder, scrappy little... I think he was a switch hitter. He was an outfielder? Yep, good speed. Odeby McDowell. Odeby McDowell, yep. I wanted to go to Arizona State because of Odeby McDowell. I remember him. Um, this lineup is really good. Who'd they have? Give me some names. There's, there's two more guys you should really get. Let me give you... Let me give you... All right, give me a, give me something. One is an Indian. Oh, um, um, who was supposed to be great and never yes. really was. Oh God. First baseman type. Yeah. Ah. Oh, uh, Corey. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Corey. Come on. Oh, why can't I think of his last name? Corey. Very basic. Think of, think of. Uh, what? Uh, oh, this, this is it. Uh, this is it. This is it. This is it. One day at a time. Corey Schneider. <laughs> Corey Schneider. <laughs> Corey Schneider. Corey Schneider. How could I not remember that? Um, and then the, the shortstop is a Hall of Famer. Barry Larkin? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Barry Larkin. Son um, has just been traded to the Knicks. That's That's his son? Yeah. Shane Larkin is his son. Shane Larkin is his son, huh? Yes. By the way, from everything I'm seeing, speaking of the Knicks, we'll get back to the baseball one in a minute. Everything I'm seeing, the Knicks did not trade into the first round. No, and they have two second round picks, right? They have a 34 and a 61. Are the second is the second round held tonight? Also, I don't think it is. I think it's tomorrow. Okay. So Wiggins went one. Jabari Parker went two. Embiid went three. Aaron Gordon went four, Dante Exum went five, Marcus Smart went six. Notable here. Uh, uh, boop, boop, boop. There were a number of there as always there were like a number of ridiculous trades. Um, yeah, not seeing any. They, they, that notable for us that the Knicks did not trade into the first round. Rumor had it that they were trying to turn Larkin into a first round pick. Didn't happen. No. Um, the United States, 1984 Olympic team. Other guys, there's a bunch of guys that never did anything, but B.J. Serhoff. Oh, okay. He was the catcher. He was a catcher on that team. Bill Swift. Bobby Witt. Bobby Witt. Bobby Whit. Bobby Whit. Uh, Barry Larkin. Shane Mack. Mm-hmm. Chris Gwynn. Chris Gwynn. Tony Gwynn's brother. Yes. Uh... Bob Caffrey, Scott Bankhead, Flavio Alfaro, who does not sound like he belongs on the United States team. Mm. I'm just, I'm just, I'm stereotyping there. Uh, Odeby McDowell, Mark McGuire, Papachillo. Papachillo, yes. John Hoover, Gary Green, Mike Dunn, Will Clark. They carried like five catchers. 
Don August. Yep, that's the 84 Olympic baseball team. Okay. Good little team there. I don't, getting... I don't know if there's a major leaguer on any other of these rosters. Oh, wait, the Dominican team. Never mind. There's probably one or two. There's... Right? Not really. I mean, not really anybody of note. Interesting. Japan? Nope, not yet. Nic- Canada. Check Canada. Nicaragua? Just fun to say. Nicaragua. The great thing is, like, we could be looking at uh, the Dominican Republic team, and, like, Bartolo Colon might have been on it. <laughs> it is, no, he's too young. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm, it's, it's a, he's old Joe Cal. Yeah, but he's our age. So let's, let's no, take no, no. it easy on the old jokes. Hold on, hold on. He's purportedly our age. Well. Purportedly. Officially. Yeah. There's a good chance he's 62 years old. <laughs> <laughs> um, top five baseball movies. Go. Uh, well, don't hesitate. I'm, don't hesitate. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna rank them. I'm just gonna list the ones that come to the top of my head. Bull Durham, Field of Dreams, The Natural, Major League, and the fifth one is. The Fifth Element is not a baseball movie. No, it is actually. That's what's. That's what's weird. <laughs> you gotta watch it a couple times. Subtext. I, I guess, Eight Men Out. Okay, it doesn't sound like you love that movie. No, the, that's why that fifth spot is open. You could put 61 in there comfortably? I could very easily put 61 in there. Okay. Very easily. I could probably put... Um, I don't think I could put For Love of the Game in there. Oof, please don't. No. You'd be, gr- you'll be grounded if you did. Um... Yes, that's, you, don't, that's, you don't have Bad News Bears in there? I could probably put Bad News Bears in there. Okay. I, you can make a case. Like, I think that that fifth slot, I think those four, you want to Mount Rushmore of baseball movies? <laughs> I think it's very comfortably for me, those four, and, right. that, fifth, and that fifth spot, depending on the, on the mood, depending on what it, it brings me. Right. Wants to buy me off? That's fine. I'll put you in there. I think it's a rotating door. <laughs> Wants to go FIFA on it? <laughs> sure. Would you agree? Or no. would you take it? Okay. What? What? No. No, I would not. Bull Durham, Major League, The Natural, Field of Dreams. You don't like Field of Dreams that much, do you? Correct. That's right. No, Eight Men Out goes in there for me. Okay. And what's five? Field of Dreams or? Although, no, five would be five could be Moneyball, which I loved. Moneyball was very good. It could be the Natural Major League, Bull Durham, Eight Men Out. I uh, I can't put Bad News Bears in there. I can't. Brewster's Millions. Stretch. No. I'll tell you what. Sixty-one, not far out. 61, you could make a very good case for 61. 61 has a very good chance. It does. Yeah. I'm looking at this. I just, I just brought up this list of baseball movies. Summer it's, Catch. At ba- <laughs> you shut your face. You shut your mouth. You filthy, you, you filthy mouth. Do you remember the movie? I think I might have brought this up sometime in the last four and a half years. It was on cable constantly growing up. 
It's called Blue Skies Again. No. This was about... Wow, I feel like I should. This one was... Harry Hamlin played the arrogant owner... Oh, my goodness. Of a... I don't know if it was a minor league team. They were the Arizona Devils. And I think they were trying to pass them off as a major league baseball team. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And the whole point was it was a girl who was trying to become the second baseman of this team. That's great. And that was the whole story. You had, you know, you had the hard-nosed coach. What is this called again? Blue Skies Again. It's from like 1982-83. It's not even on this list of baseball movies at baseballmovie.com. <laughs> didn't, didn't make that list. Did not crack that list. Oh, man. That movie used to be on like once a week. Really? What was her name? I can't remember her name. Second baseman. And, and uh, you know, here's the spoiler alert. The, the, the pivotal scene is she finally, gets to get, she finally gets in a game. Right. And hits a double. What's it called now? Blue Skies? Again? Blue Skies again. She hits a double and slides headfirst. Oh, my goodness. Game. Oh, I'm, I'm seeing it now. You remember it? 1983. Oh, Cal. Oh, Cal. Do you remember this? Oh, Cal, no. But the but the the girl is played by none other than Mrs. X Tom Cruise. Oh well, Mimi Rogers was not. That's not the oh, girl. Oh, she's not the girl. Like, no. <laughs> she's in it. She's in it. Yeah. Andy Andy Garcia. Andy Garcia is in the movie. Harry Hamlin. Oh, Harry Hamlin. He's wearing a cowboy hat. I would <laughs> on the on the poster. Oh. Mimi Rogers, Kenneth McMillan. There's a host of that guys in this. Right. There's probably ball players from the time in there. Joel Goodman, Tom Tully. She's not on here. Whoever played the girl. I can't she, remember. She's not listed in the cast. Paula. Her name was Paula something. Abdul. It wasn't Paula Abdul. Her I, name. Her character's name was Paula something. Oh my goodness. This this movie is. I, I can't believe this exists. If you have like five minutes, you need to Google, like not now, but Google it and see if you can find video clips of it. Here's the plot summary. A hard-hitting, fast, sure-handed baseball player tries to break into the sport by applying for a spot on a minor league team. It was a minor league. Okay. Stop right there. Applying. Like, for, where do I apply? I have my resume. Uh, are the Binghamton Mets taking applications? <laughs> I uh, have PowerPoint. I can catch a fastball. Which is great because in 83, nobody had PowerPoint. That's right. <laughs> the only problem is that the player is female, which engenders resistance and resentment among many players and officials. I cannot believe this is a real movie. Sounds great. Just one problem. She's a girl. It's a broad. <laughs> Robin Bartow as Paula Friedkin. Paula Friedkin. Paula Friedkin, that's what it was. Wow. This is like... I'm telling you. Princess Quarterback. It is. This is the baseball version of Quarterback Princess. Yes. Tammy Maida. 
<laughs> Holy cow, Blue Skies again. This has got to make your top five. It doesn't, It's because it, it's so cheesy. I'm but... sending you a JPEG of the poster with Harry Hamlin standing. I've seen it. I can't. Have you seen it lately? No, maybe not. Because it is spectacular. Well, it's, it's 1983 Harry Hamlin. He is at the height of his powers. Yes. This is, is this pre-L.A. Law, Harry pre, Hamlin? Yes, pre-L.A. Law. He might have gotten L.A. Law from this movie. The tagline on the poster. So that guy who wrote the synapses on IMDb was wrong. Because the tagline on the poster is, A woman on a major league team? Question mark. What does she think this is? A game? Blue skies again. And it's Harry Hamlin standing with, and she's on her knees in front of him. It's a really bad poster. Oh, no. He's got like a cowboy hat and a cigar in his mouth. And he's wearing a three-piece suit with a vest. He looks like Boss Hogg. Except he's Harry Hamlin. But he looks like, well, he looks like a young version of Boss Hogg. Like what Boss Hogg would have looked like in like 1948. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Oh, my goodness. Right, the Arizona Devils. Wow. Wow. I, I, I was very, it was very vivid in my brain, too, when I was describing it. I remember everything about it. Have you ever, I can't even talk about this movie anymore. Have you ever seen Bang the Drum Slowly? No, no, but, but, Pride of the Yankees was excellent. How dare you? I'm sorry. You're off the radio program. I, Gary, Gary Cooper. There it is. Was not Gary Carter. Gary Cooper was no. a better Lou Gehrig than Lou Gehrig was. <laughs> I can't say that, can I? For a number of reasons. Not the least of which is I never saw either of them. That's correct. Alive. Um, bang the Drum Slowly is... Uh, is it good? or is it like it's, it's good. It's intensity in 10 cities. Yeah. It's all shot at Shea, though. Was it really? Well, there it's it was based on a play, and it's dark. I mean, it's pretty dark. And they're the they're the New York Monmouths. Okay. Yeah, something like that. Like there's they're a fictional New York team. Um, here's another movie on here that. Uh, <laughs> There are some movies on BaseballMovies.com that are pretty funny that I have oh, forgotten about. You know what I want to play? I want to play the game we played last week. I don't get. All right, sir. I don't get the Sandlot. <laughs> well, is it some sort of revered piece of cinematic art? or Most people I speak People go nuts for it. You're right. You're right. Love it. And I don't get... I don't get it's okay. I mean, I'll, I'll watch it if it's on. I don't get the love for it. I'm going to see your Sandlot and raise you a the movie with Mark Harmon and Jodie Foster that Summer Catch. Summer Catch. No, not Summer Catch. Is it Summer Catch? Inside Pitch. <laughs> I don't think that's a real movie. <laughs> oh no, uh, no, it's something at home. Something feeling home. home. Feeling home. What is, why does everybody love that movie? It's not really a baseball movie. Not really. But still, everybody loves that movie. Oof, ah. 
My nudge. Don't get it. Um, have you ever seen the movie Game Six? No, I'm serious. No, it's, it, it's gotta, it's gotta not be. It's not a movie, is it? It's gotta yes. be like a documentary. No, this I and I had wanted to see it when it came out at the time. It's from 2005. It's a oh small, yeah, look at that. It's an indie movie with Michael Keaton. It's 1986 and a day in the life of playwright Nicky Rogan who is torn and decides to skip his opening night on Broadway. Why? He thinks a critic is destined to hate his play and he can't pull himself away from watching his beloved Red Sox in Game 6 of the 1986 World Series. How have we not seen this movie? Because it's from a Red Sox perspective, probably. Who cares? It's a terrible job by us. I know. Uh, you're right. Terrible job. And I remember reading about it at the time, and a terrible job. Oh, that's a... Uh. Worse than not having seen the picture in the pinup? I don't think anything's worse than not having seen the picture in the pinup. This show, is, I, this show has sort of gotten away from us. Well, we're talking about baseball movies. That's true. What? what would you rather talk about real baseball going on right now? No. I didn't think so. No, I, I really don't. I didn't think so, but we should. Why is it so? We don't really need to. Well, I think we should. I think we need to touch on what happened this week. I don't think we need to. Are you sure? I think you and I covered it all pretty we much each, during the week. We each kind of went off the rails separately. Correct. Like really, like like irrationally off Full the on. rails. Full on. Like yeah. So, and and only separated by like twenty four hours. <laughs> Like 18 hours. And two separate reasons. <laughs> yep. And like as, as intense as it's been in, in months. Yep. Yeah, we were, we were... What's happening? I don't know. We were going at it, texting about this team. Thank God I was off. Basic, basically, though, coming to the same conclusion... Right, now I think we're in the same place right now. We were in the same place then. We just had different ways of getting there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we really did. And now, of course, the Mets have lost uh, again tonight. Yeah, two in a row. Two in a row. Same old at, Mets. After winning five of six, they had a real chance to sort of prove that they had maybe turned a corner. And Zach Wheeler, the prized uh, acquisition of the Sandy Alderson regime, uh, one of them, um, got lit up for uh, six runs in about ten minutes in that Is, spot. So just just so we can paint the picture of, sure. of Zach Wheeler and the Mets, because it's so very Wheeler and so very Mets, he followed up the best start of his career with the worst. Yep. Literally. The, yep. L- literally the best start of his career with the worst start of his career. Yep. Five, five days apart. In a, in a in what could be considered a big spot, a huge spot because of all of the attention that the team was getting, and had gotten the night before going into that game, and it was like okay they have a chance to sweep a two game series from the best team in baseball yep. at home. You've got your pitcher coming off of the best start of his career against a journeyman pitcher for the A's. Yep. What could possibly go wrong? That script should be among baseballmovie.com. Should be should be oh it's the Mets. The Mets. That's right. There so. wouldn't be there wouldn't be one year on that though. There would be like one year release date. It would be 1991 to 2014. <laughs> this movie's called 
the Mets. Or maybe like 75 to 83, comma, 91 <laughs> to 2014. Yeah. Two separate students. It's, um, I want to get back to the baseball movies because it's too depressing. It is. Okay. It's, but, just but, too, it's just too frustrating. But I think the bottom line is they are who we think they are and who they always will be. And it's pointless to ever show any hope in this team because it's always going to come back to, to, to this. Yeah, no, no corner turned. Never. I think that... They're a circle. They really are. They're like and, an oval. And there's also something specific that we should talk about here where um, guys like... Even when they seem to make the right decision, uh, they're not making the right decision. And I mean by... So, you know, I had a problem where they were batting Travis Darno, bringing him back up. So it was the right decision to send him down. It was the right decision to bring him back up when they did. And I thought they should have rewarded him by putting him in a better spot in the lineup where he'd see more pitches and where he'd and, – and they'd show him, hey, you went down. You told us you – you know, you, you showed us that you were ready to come back. You took your demotion like a man. You uh, earned your way back here, and you've earned yourself a little bit of more responsibility. So go get it, kid, you know. But, but you pointed out, Bri, and this is really true, and you pointed this out, and I, I almost in a way like owe you an apology. You pointed this out, and you're right. And that is, they are in a circle because they constantly think, I shouldn't say constantly, they think they're in it. When Sandy Alderson says, we're close, he actually believes it. And it's detrimental to the development of their players because they're not close. Well, and, they, and they continue to fool themselves into believing that they are. And that's why you had such a hard time with the win on Tuesday night. Because, yeah, of course you want to win every game. But that win, and in that fashion, means eh, you guys are going to fool yourselves into thinking that you're good or you're something you're not. And they're not good. And therefore, you're going to continue to try to be good, and it's going to be bad for the team. Like, Travis Darno needs to be hitting two. He does. He needs to be hitting two. Murphy should be hitting three. They should move just everybody down in the order, lengthen the lineup. Terry Collins is managing every game as if it's game seven of the World Series. As if it's his last. Yeah. He's managing for his life right now. That's right. He because took, he took Zach Wheeler out of the game in the second inning. I know it was six. I know, I know. He had given up six runs in two innings, and and it, he had a bases loaded opportunity, and he pinch hit for him with two outs in the second inning. It's it's dumb. Zach Wheeler is not going to learn to work himself out of situations when he doesn't have his best stuff. If you take him out of games where he doesn't have his best stuff. But you know what I struggle with, and and it turns out to be a contradiction because I always say. And I, I'm, I've been very adamant about the fact that the minute Harvey went down, I felt like they, they changed the focus of this year. And it wasn't about winning this year. It was about winning in 2015. Yet, I believe they also think that they're close, which means they're trying to win every game instead of developing guys for next year. Right. So I, I, I don't know. I think I'm contradicting myself sometimes. But that's, but that's true, too. I mean, they're... they're you're not. They're contradicting themselves. Well, I think, I think the bottom line is they don't know what they are. No. I think, I think what they are 
is we have no money. We have limited resources. We're going to throw these guys out there and hope for the best without sacrificing the future. Well, and also he, he thinks that Sandy Alderson, you know, we saw it again this week from Matt Cerrone or whatever, Cal, and you and I have debated this back and forth. We've talked about it over the last two and a half years, like what kind of team he thinks can be successful. He doesn't seem to value bats in the lineup. He seems to think that bats, because of numbers, if certain numbers are achieved and certain statistics are achieved, that he can formulate some sort of lineup that will be passable as long as he has great pitching. Right. And, and, it, and, it, and unfortunately, it, the players he selected for that formula, you look at that A's lineup, it's not that great on paper. It does not reach out to you and tell you it's a great lineup on paper. They have one legitimate... No, no, Donaldson has become that, but he wasn't that, Cal. They have Cespedes. Right. They have Moss, who they've... Moss is like their Lucas Duda, except he's good. Well... I mean, Moss is, Moss is Lucas Duda, who actually turned out to be a good baseball player. But again, that lineup, it's Coco Crisp and... Jasso, that lineup does not, you know, Kalaspa. I mean, it's it's not a great lineup, name-wise. Right. But the players that Billy Bean has picked, and they're the highest-scoring team in baseball, so the players that Billy Bean has picked, again, fit into the formula. They make the formula work. But that's Billy Bean building the Major League roster. Correct. Because we don't know the guys that Deep Podesta has picked and drafted. We don't know what they're going to be. Yet. Yet. Right? Yes. And, and, and that's fine. I'm willing to, I, I, you know, you and I have both given Deep Podesta sort of the bigger benefit of the doubt than Alderson. Right. Because we don't know yet. But, they, but on a major league level, Sandy Alderson, who, again, has had to shop in the bargain basement bin, has chosen poorly there has not gotten guys that are going to present... Because their pitching hasn't been bad. No, their pitching has actually been pretty good. And even their bullpen has been good. Because, yeah. and, that, and that's, you know, it's a misnomer. Everybody wants to rag on the bullpen still because obviously it's the Mets. The Mets have a bad bullpen. But they don't right now. Their nope. bullpen is better. Nope. And, and he's begun to build it the way he wanted to build it. Right. With flexibility, with young arms that throw hard. And guys that can slot into different spots, and you can use Familia in the eighth one night, and in the seventh the next, and you can use Edge in here, and you know it's it's becoming a flexible, hard-throwing bullpen. That's what he wanted. But he's made it. But he's built a one-dimensional team. They can pitch. That's it. That's it. They, they, can, they can, can hit. They cannot hit at all. In a, in any sustained fashion, they cannot. And I think part of and I I get on them for their metrics and their and and their analyzing obscure numbers and. And I heard one tonight. Kevin Burkhart was talking about it. Oh, boy. Lucas Duda has the ninth highest rate. And I don't even know if I'm going to say the statistic right because it's so, it's so inane. What's the hard hit balls statistic? Exit velocity. Exit speed, maybe? Is that what it is? Exit it's velocity. exit velocity off the bat. Okay. E-V-O-P? B? E-V-O-B? I believe that's it. EVOB? Something like that. All right, well, he's got the ninth highest in the National League. Exit velocity off the bat. Okay, 
that's retarded. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just a stupid stat. But the way that Kevin Burkhart explained it, it was Kevin Burkhart or Gary Cohen, whoever it was, the way he explained it and the way Sandy Alderson thinks about it, oh, do you have something to say? I'm not sure we can say that. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Well, we'll, we'll get that in post. Yes, that's, that's I'll, I'll take care of it. Let, let me continue my... my Please. Beep, beep that out. Yeah. <laughs> PG's not here for the dump button. No. <laughs> it's, point, it's stupid, yes. It's, well, or, or it's, it's, not, it's not that it's stupid. It's, no, no, it's, no. It's the, way that, it's the way that it was explained how Sandy Alderson thinks about it, that he's hitting the ball hard that often, so he automatically will eventually come around. If he, because it's like he hits the ball hard 60% of the t- and 60% of the time it's an out or whatever. Because he hits the ball that hard, automatically the numbers say that it will even out and, he will, and those will fall in at some point. And I just, I just think that using statistics to, to predict the future like that is silly. It's not, it's, that's not how it works. It doesn't automatically mean that based on probability, he's going to, like, because here's, I got news for you. He's not always going to hit the ball harder than everybody but nine guys in the league. All right? And he's also going to often hit it right at someone. <laughs> he, and he does, and it doesn't matter how hard he hits it. How did it, what's their what's their acronym for the um, the advanced metric for hitting meaningless home runs? Uh, I think it's capital D, lowercase U, capital D, capital A. Yeah, it's a duda. It's a, Let's just call it a duda. It's a duda. Yeah, because yeah. he he leads the league in those. It's it's incredible, but. They will point to his 250 yeah. batting average. Yeah. They will point to the fact that he's got the fourth highest OPS in the month of June in the National League. They're going to point to his 11 home. I mean, with Lucas Duda, all you ever hear are numbers. That's all you ever hear. Yeah. All I mean, more than any guy. And Tejada. Because yeah. he's 348 on base percentage. That's we're, all you hear. We're supposed to not trust our eyes. No. It's just, you just hear these numbers. And they're just throwing numbers at you about Lucas Duda constantly, trying to distract you from the fact that he stinks. He, but his he's, number, just, he's but, just not an impact baseball player. He's not. Right. But, if you, but if you were to plug his statistics into um, a computer program, if you were playing micro league baseball mm-hmm. and you looked at Lucas Duda's statistics, he'd be one of the better players on the computer screen. Right. A stick figure running around the bases. All right, he's, not, a, he's not even a good fantasy player. He's a horrible fantasy player. That's what, but that's what I mean. Like his, these numbers only translate in one place, and that's on Sandy Alderson's spreadsheet. It's like that's it. Yeah. That's I mean, the only place he looks good. But, that, but, but it's like that's, what, that's all they look at. And I sent, I sent you something today, and, and I believe this. I'm not going to kill them because I don't believe that they're only looking at, at the spreadsheet. Right. You know, they're using their eyes to evaluate players, I think. I think they're relying way too heavily on the spreadsheet. I agree. Way too heavily. And that's what I'm going to call it from now, the spreadsheet. Well, I think... Because that's what it is. I think you know you're in trouble when that's your only defense of a player. 
Like that's your con- like people that defend Duda. That's it. That's all they can point to, are these advanced metrics that tell me that he's a passable player. Not even that he's a good player. That he's a passable player. It's the same thing with Tejada. Like that's your only. De- oh, he has. He's got four runs saved in his UZR. You want to know? You know? You want to know what you get from these people that will prove that? Well, I watch the games. I'll tell you how I watch the games. They're playing great defense. Yeah, you can't, you can't measure really? defense. Are they really? They're playing. They're playing good defense. They're playing fine defense. Can they score a run? It's no. It has nothing to do with it. <laughs> does it, does it not take more runs to to win a game? Well, yeah. I'm no, My point is that's when they def- they're trying to defend. Yeah, no, them. I got you. I got your point. I got and, your point. You know, is is Ruben Tejada playing better defense than fifteen other shortstops in Major League Baseball right now? I mean, is he, is he, is he Alderton Simmons? Or I mean, come on. But do you but do, but do you notice they don't use the advanced defense metrics ever? It's only the offensive metrics, and then the defensive side is well, he's playing a great shortstop. Oh no, no, I saw the defensive metrics the other day to say oh. that to, to say that Darnell Darno continues to stink. He's he's thirtieth with negative six runs saved or something like that. Which which also proves my point that you can make numbers say whatever you want. Of course. And you can make it fit whatever you want to try to make it fit. There's a place for advanced metrics. I don't think there's any question about that. I think Theo Epstein and in the Red Sox, I think Billy Bean, I think have proven this. I think even Paul DePodesta and I think Sandy Alderson, they've they've proven this. Except, and I think Billy Bean goes by this. And I think that's why he's comfortable in a smaller market than he would be maybe with a bigger market team. And that is, you, you, you do need to combine them. Like, you do need to combine them with something philosophical. You can't just plug in numbers. And also, if it's not working, in spite of the numbers, you have to know when to cut bait. They use the numbers as a predictive formula which says it's not working now, but because it did, it will. Right. And what I'm saying is guys like Billy Bean, guys like you know, uh, or Theo Epstein for a time or whatever, even the, they cut bait. They cut bait at some yes. point. No, I agree. I, I 100% because they, agree with Because you. they say, okay, it's supposed to be this, supposed to be this. Suppo- the other thing that Billy Bean does that apparently Sandy Alderson never heard about was trading young pitching for hitting, which he did over and over and over again. Right. Sandy Alderson believes that... He traded he, all of them. All of them. Except Barry Zito for pitching. All of I them. I, I mean, know. for hitting. I know. And these are guys that got him to the ALCS. Never mind, you know, a prospect. He's very reluctant to trade his pitching because you never know what could happen. Yeah, I know what can happen. We're going to score 600 runs this year. That's, again, 600 runs. 600 runs. That's pathetic. You know how many runs they scored in 2006? About 900. Please. Now I'm upset again. Upset again. We were having a nice night. I think we needed to talk a little bit about it. We did. You're right. You're See, right. Chris, Chris Young saved his job. Well, at least he saved. Yeah, he saved his spot on a major league roster. That's good, right? 
For him? Hey, you gotta be happy for him. I'm thrilled. Right. I uh we should probably wrap up. Yeah, you wanna wrap it up? Did you have a did you have an off uh, putting topic to talk about? What did we say was going to be an off-putting topic for later in the show? I forgot. You said you had a good one. I did, but then, I mean, I did coming in, but then as we were having our discussion earlier, I thought of another one, and I said, we'll talk about it later in the off-putting, off-topic, aha moment. And you don't remember what it was? don't remember. Why don't we use the one that you did remember? All right, sir. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to throw a complete curveball at everybody. Because I have trouble with the curve. Um, so every you are well aware, well versed in my passion for the Black Sox. Eight Men Out in my yes, my my Rushmore of baseball films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read that book. I've been reasonably obsessed with the 1919 White Sox since. 97, 98 maybe, whenever, whenever Eight Men Out came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read the book by Elliot Asanov, and um, that came out in 88. So I would say probably 94, 95, I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, there, uh, so this is really interesting to me, Cal. Lately I've been, I had a plane trip to Cleveland over the weekend to play in a band reunion. Yes. Benef- a benefit where we raised a lot of money for uh, the LLCF, my buddy's uh, children's fund that he started for his brother. Uh, it was great. It was a really good time. Um, I had a lot of you know reading to do because I had this sort of quick flight. Right. But I, 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 I'm not into a book right now. Oh, that was it, the book club. Oh, right. You wanted to recommend right. a book. We're both going to recommend a book when I'm done with this. Well, I'm not, but go ahead. Okay, I will. Next week, you will. Next week, I will. Homework. Summer reading list. Better better get to the library. So apparently there's an organization, which you won't like the name of, called Sabre. Um, But it's not necessarily for uh, baseball, uh, for Sabre metrics. Hold on. I want to try. I want to find the the exact. S-A-B-R. Society for American Baseball Research. Yes. Yes. Familiar with it. Right. I'm I'm joining. You are? Absolutely. Are there dues? I don't know yet. What's entailed? <laughs> what it yeah. entails? I'm in. The college fight song? I'm in. Alright. Um, and they do a newsletter, uh, and it's like a Black Sox newsletter. Oh. And they they basically you you gotta go to their website, Cal. You will love this. You will absolutely love this. I mean it's almost a hundred years later. It is. Um, Still talking about it? Oh, absolutely. Because there's all this new research over the last four or five years that's come to light. And it turns out that much of Eight Men Out... Is that right? Not so much. Elliot Asanoff apparently, in his book from 1964, took a lot of license with a lot of things. For example... There's a new book out that came out, I think, last year or two years ago about Charles Kaminsky uh, basically dispelling the myth that he was a tyrant and that he was the reason that they threw the series because they were vastly underpaid 
Turns out they had the second or third highest payroll in baseball. So there's that. Then there's, oh, it's fascinating. Wow. And I want to, you know, not give them a plug. I want you to start reading this. You've got to read this newsletter. So I think you would really find it interesting. That all the, you know, every month, uh, or they do this newsletter, I think it's like quarterly or something. And there's, you know, about this person or that person in, this, in the scandal or in the fix or whatever. There's so much that I didn't know or that I had a misconception on. It's really interesting. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't get enough of it. Huh. I can't. The, the, these guys uh, from the University of Chicago, like, wrote a huge paper about, you know, dispelling a lot of eight men out. Because I think Asanov's notes were recently released he passed away, I think, in 07 or something like that. Okay. And it's, there's so much there about Shoeless Joe and about Buck Weaver and, oh, I can't, I can't get enough. Can't get enough. Cool. Yeah. But it, really interesting, it's called the Black Sox Scandal Research Committee. And they're, they're an arm of Sabre. Huh. And their latest newsletter came out in June. They had one in December. I guess it looks like they do it bi, biannually. And uh, I, can't, I can't get enough. I love it. I can't get enough of it. I love it so much. It's 40, so $45 a year. That's it? $45. Oh, I'm in. Oh, and that was the other thing. They found footage from the 1919 World Series. Film footage. Really? Yes. So you can actually watch one of the controversial plays. They actually have film footage of it. Oh, I, I was, I'm going nuts. Wow. Going nuts. There's, there's, it's a news, it's a British Canadian called Path News. And it was preserved for decades in an old swimming pool turned hockey rink. What? And this guy uncovered it in January. It is, I can't, I can't even get enough of it. I love it so much, Cal. Oh, that's crazy. Yep. Yeah, this, this particular issue has a whole thing about, um, you know, like the early life of Claude Lefty Williams. Like Lefty Williams was one of the guys who threw the series, one of the pitchers. Um, there's all this stuff about the newsreel where you can see actual footage of the World Series in 1919. It's almost 100 years old. 95 years ago. That's yep. crazy. Yep. Wow. There's a quick three-second clip beginning at the three. It's about four and a half minutes, I think, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the 306 mark of the video online appears one of the most disputed plays of the World Series, one of the plays famously circled by sports writer Huey Fullerton on his scorecard in the press box, the botched double play hit by the Reds' Larry Kopp and fielded by Eddie Seacott in the fourth inning. Seacott was said to have made, quote, a dazzling play to field the ball, but Swede Risberg, also in on the fix, was unable to turn the double play. At full speed, the play doesn't appear to be unusually suspicious, and it is impossible to tell with any certainty whether Seacott's throw to Risberg at second base was too low or too high or too slow, or whether Risberg delayed in making the double play throw to Chick Gandel at first base. But according to the Chicago Tribune account of the game afterward, the five-run rally hung on the toenail, quote-unquote. God, I love early sports writing. <laughs> of Kopp beating the throw to first. And one thing is for sure, all three players later admitted to receiving bribe money for fixing the World Series. 
So, and then there's another uh, footage of uh, Seacott or Gandal cutting off a throw from the outfield that might have cut down a runner at the plate. And he cuts it off. He's the first baseman and he cuts it off. And then the film cuts to a conference on the mound where Seacott is being yanked by Kid Gleason. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. Wow. I love it. Anyway, I wanted to get that in. No, it's if good. You, yeah, if you, I'll send you the, uh, the PDF. And I mean, I'm, I'm on the website right now, and I'm looking at it, and it's just... Yeah, it's just super cool. Holy cow. And this, this organization I really want to join, because I've long been fa- fascinated by baseball's history. Like, I have... I just... I, I can spend hours in on baseball reference, and I have a 100-year baseball encyclopedia that I think is from, like, 1989. Uh-huh. Maybe I got it one Christmas or whatever. And I'll just plow through like the early 1900s. It's fascinating to me, you know. So check that out. All right, we, we doing book club and rapping? Yeah, let's hear your book. My other uh, off topic, we'll do it next week, is uh, about sports memorabilia. Really fascinating to me. Like you know, signed jerseys, pictures, you know, that sort of stuff. Okay, that's good. I'd like to hear about that because it doesn't fascinate me that much. It's, it's only fascinating in terms of what's acceptable. Like, what should you have? What would you covet? Okay. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Like, what, what would you... Because I just had these two benefits, right? So, and part of them was gathering things for auctions and stuff like that. And one of the items that we were able to get was a signed Mariano Rivera baseball. Um, but it's not like certified. In other words, I know a guy who knows a guy who got it for us from the Yankee, from uh-huh. the Yankees. But uh, it's legit. It's completely legit. It just doesn't have like the Steiner certificate and all that stuff. It's never going to be sold. We actually gave it to Sean as okay. a gift because it's his favorite all-time player. The other two balls we raffled off. But like he took it and immediately when I gave it to him last week, he took it and put it between his two Emmys. Like, that's how much it meant to him. <laughs> like, he has two Emmy Awards. And this now. And, and a Mariano Rivera signed baseball. And that's, that's the regard he holds it in. That's correct. Wow. Took it immediately and put it on the shelf between the two of them. Uh, anyway, my, uh, the RTU Book Club recommend this week is a book by a guy named Bill. I've mentioned this book already. It's a book by a guy named Bill Sheft who was a writer on Letterman for about 25 years and wrote that great book that I told you about, The Ringer, uh-huh. about the softball ringer. He has a new book out. It's called Shrink Thyself, and uh, it's a novel. It's, I read the first, like, 30 pages last night. Hilarious. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Okay. It's about a guy who's living life between sessions, so he's, like, trying to live without psychotherapy. He's been in psychotherapy for a long time. And he's just, he's in New York, he's divorced, he's just, and he leaves his shrink in the first 20 pages. And now he's on his own? And that's it. Yeah, it's great. It's really, really good. He writes with a really deft, light wit, very Letterman. Uh Uh-huh. Like, very sardonic. Yeah. um, Without being smug. Is it something you think you can get through pretty quickly? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like a week? I would say a good solid week. Good. It's really good. Nice quick hit. Yep. 
Really, really good and very funny. So that's Bill Sheft, Shrink Thyself. Available on Penguin. No, I don't know. That's what, what, what books it is. Penguin, Penguin Publishing? Penguin Pendant Publishing? Pendant. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Yeah, why not? It's been a long week. Long week. Cal, final unload. Uh, my final unload is tomorrow night we got the NHL draft. And some interest for us Islander fans. The Islanders hold the fifth pick in the first round of tomorrow's draft. A lot of talk about whether they're going to trade the pick to either go down in the draft and pick up more picks or be able to pick up an impact player. So hopefully this will be the last year of the draft party. Well, it'll definitely be the last year at the Nassau Coliseum. But I think seven draft parties is enough for this team. Let's make this the last one. Let's do something big tomorrow night. For sure. And my final unload is congrats to the graduates. Hey, we got a whole bunch of them. We got a whole bunch of them. Congrats to your girls, Cal. Um, and uh, congrats to everybody. You know, this be- has become like a thing where everybody's kid graduates every level. And um, I, I think it's nice. I think it's good. It's not a graduation ceremony. It's a recognition ceremony. I like that even better. Yep. It's recognizing that you're becoming a moody teenager. That's it. Uh, So, uh, happy graduation. Happy recognition, you guys. Yeah, graduations this weekend from high school. Yep. Happy summer. It's a good, nice time. Nice time right now. It's a good time. Okay, it's not a great time. It's a good time. Of course, baseball season's over for us. Yeah, so uh, training camp is in the month. Good job, everybody. (laughs) Hey, Cal, I'll see you next week, buddy. You will indeed. Yeah, you will. Good night, everybody. Good night, night, Big Bishop, Big Donut. Big Bishop Disney. Big Bishop Disney. (laughs) Put those Mickey ears down. You're a grown man. He's up to 17,000 steps right now, by the way. (laughs) Just pacing the halls of his hotel room. Good night. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.